G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm part of the ministry team at Dolby Anglican Parish. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And you can learn more about us at anglicandolby.org.au. This week we're starting a new series called Reliable Revelation, all in the book of Revelation. And today's sermon is entitled, When Will It End? And it covers Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. We hope you enjoy the sermon. First reading is from Revelations chapter 1, verses 4 to 8. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power for ever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Jesus is making all things new. And it's exciting today to get into a new series called Reliable Revelation, looking at this book that is often seen as a bit taboo, a little bit risky, a little bit scary. In fact, um, in our Anglican lectionary, our Anglican reading plan, um, we've, got, we've got about six little hits of Revelation over the next couple of Sundays. Um, and I wonder if perhaps the person who uh, put together the lectionary thought, I'm just going to give little bits of Revelation, not the whole thing, because they didn't, didn't quite trust it. But this is a reliable book. It is a trustworthy book. And so um, please pray for me as I pray for you and as we look into this incredible text. Loving Lord God, we thank you that you are a reliable God and that we can trust in you. And as we go through this Easter period, this Easter season, where we remember Christ's resurrection, help us to build our lives on the sure foundation of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we go through this Revelation series, um, I encourage you to bring a Bible to church. I know um, it's, it's not everyone's routine, and I know it's a little bit um, different, but I'm going to be um, quoting a lot from Revelation and really um, drawing from this book. Revelation was first written as a letter to seven churches, um, and it was meant to be written, read in one, one, one sitting. Uh, and to read through the whole of Revelation, um, all 22 chapters, would take about an hour and a half. Um, and if you want to sit down and, and listen to it all in one go with me sometime, I'd be, I'd be definitely up for that. Um, but it is good to have the text in front of you. Revelation begins with these words. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. What an exciting intro, hey? What an incredible, um, wonderful book. And throughout this series, we want to give you all the tools you need to read this book for yourself and give you the gospel foundations to get the most out of Scripture. We want to give you a good, reliable foundation stone. Now, I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to to look around the stones at the back of our church. At the back of our church, there's our baptistry. And around the baptistry are 12 stones taken from other churches. Has anyone ever seen that? Yeah. I don't know how they got there or um, maybe who took them or who brought them into Dolby. Um, And you're one of our resident historians. It's a bit of a mystery. But they're 12 stones from different churches. Um, One is from Canterbury Cathedral in England. One is from St. Sophia's Church in Turkey, which today is a mosque. Um, One is from Canterbury Cathedral in England. Um, And one is from the Church of Nativity in Bethlehem, where Jesus was born. But at the centre of all these stones is one from the Church of the Apocalypse, the Apocalypse at Patmos, the very island where John received his revelation from Jesus Christ. And as you can see from this photo, it's a pretty gnarly and gritty rock. And Patmos is a very dry and gritty island. It was a prison island. And John was sitting on rocks exactly like the one at the back of our church when he wrote the letter that makes up this final book of the Bible. He originally wrote it to seven churches, um, which are in today's modern-day Turkey. And today, as we begin looking through Revelation, I want you to know that what God has written is a letter to you as well. A a letter that is meant to be a blessing. That's what Revelation says at the beginning. Blessed is the one who reads it. It's meant to be a blessing to you and to give your faith solid foundations. And it's written because the time is near. It's a revelation of God's love and mercy. And it's a reliable revelation. Now, the question pops up. What does the time is near mean? This is something we need to bolt down from the beginning as we go through our excursion through Revelation. This book is a book of prophecy, and often we assume prophecy is all about staring into a crystal ball and foretelling the future. But in the Bible, prophecy is a message from God. It could concern the past, the present, or the future. And often biblical prophecy involves all three. And that's certainly the case with Revelation. The passage that we just read talks about Jesus as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. COVID taught us a little bit about the Greek alphabet. Um, the The first letter is Alpha. The uh, second is beta, gamma, delta. We all know about the delta strain, don't we? Um, The final letter is omega. 
And Jesus is saying, I am the beginning and the end. I am a reliable source of hope. It's also a reminder that Jesus is with us in the now. Jesus is with us in our sufferings. Jesus is imminent, working and operating among us. He's not just some historical figure or some sort of future superman who will come one day in the distant future, probably not in our lifetimes. Jesus is with us even now. Revelation tells us that the time is near because much of the suffering, trial, and evil it speaks of is already happening to the people who first read it and is still going on today. It's also a reminder that time is limited and that as Christians, we should always live in preparation for the end. Now, we all have some ideas about how the world will end. I I remember growing up and... I wasn't even living in Australia at the time. I was living in a country called Poland in Europe. And um, uh, mum read to me a book called On the Beach, which, if you've read it, is about some people in Melbourne who are waiting for a deadly radiation cloud that's spreading after a nuclear war has wiped out all the people of the Northern Hemisphere and is slowly coming to wipe them out too. They're the last people on Earth. On Google the other day, uh, there were pictures of receding ice caps warning the world that the world will end if we don't do anything about pollution. From asteroids to alien invasions, there are almost as many theories as there are people in the world. We all seem to have this understanding that the world has an expiry date. Some even claim to know when. Um, And if you go onto Wikipedia, there's a Wikipedia page dedicated to a list of dates that people have predicted the end of the world. And most of them are wrong. (laughs) In fact, all the ones that have been are wrong. Um, The the most recent one is um, by a scientist called Heinz von Voster. And in 1960, in a science journal, he predicted that the end of the world will come on the 13th of November, 2026, due to overpopulation. So plan your holidays wisely, everyone. (laughs) But Jesus often spoke about the end. From the parable of the householder in Mark 13, where the householder goes away only to come back at a surprise hour. Or the parable of the ten virgins, half of whom miss out on the wedding banquet because they aren't prepared. Jesus shared this understanding that our world won't last forever. But what he never claimed, unlike Heinz von Voster, is that he never claimed to know the time. What we need to keep clear in our minds and really bolt down as we begin this series, as we begin looking through Revelation, is that there are no dates here. You can look through the whole of Revelation and there is no exact date for the end of the world. In Mark 13, 32, Jesus says, but about the day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So if some fantastic preacher in a great suit with wonderful teeth tells you he knows the date of the end of the world, run. Because there's a whole Wikipedia page of people just like him who've predicted the end of the world and got it wrong. If Jesus didn't know it, 
Neither does the guy with the charts who's written a book about it. Only God the Father knows when the end will come. And so Jesus says, therefore be on your guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. All Christians through all time have been warned by Jesus to be prepared, to live prepared. Like emergency services personnel, not knowing when they'll be called to act. We are to live ready for the end of the world because no one knows when it will come. Before the service, I heard a great story um, about Shirley Allen, and I hope it's okay to share this. Last night, she went to the picnic races to pick some people up, and someone unexpectedly jumped into her car. (laughs) And, And so, Shirley was ready to do the right thing, to do the Christian thing, and she gave them a lift home. Um, you can talk to it. You can talk to Shirley about it um, after the service. I might have got the details wrong. Did I get the details right, Shirley? Thumbs up. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> now you may say, David, we've been waiting. We've been in expectation for two thousand years, and no one has jumped into our car. Surely it's time to give up waiting. To that, two Peter three eight says. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God will bring about the end of the world, not aliens, asteroids, or ice caps. The reality is our time could come at any time, so we're not to get sloppy or complacent, waiting for the end. We're to live in anticipation because the time is near and because it's not over until the... I was going to say it's not over till the faithful saviour comes, but um, <laughs> apparently, apparently <laughs> there's another way to say this. In Revelation, we see that it's not over until the faithful Saviour comes. There is no fat lady in Revelation, unfortunately. Verse 7 says, Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. All the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. This is the final sign of the end. When does it end? When Jesus returns. Angels promise this in Acts 1.11. After Jesus ascends into heaven, um, they say to Jesus' disciples, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Here we have our answer. For Christians, the end of the world will come when Jesus returns. Notice how for some people this will be a good thing. There's joy when we read, look, he's coming in the clouds. There should also be joy in that when Jesus first came into our world, only a few got to see him. But here Revelation tells us that every eye will see him. No one will miss out. But this won't be a good experience for everyone. It says, even those who pierced him will see him. 
meaning those who oppose and persecute Jesus and his people will see him too. All people of all nations will see him and mourn because of him. Some will mourn out of repentance, knowing that their forgiveness was won through Jesus' suffering and death. Others will mourn for themselves, realizing that they mocked, reject, and scorned the one who will determine how they spend the rest of eternity. Friends, if you trust in Jesus, this needs to be a sobering thought. So many people in our world today ignore Jesus. They mock him or they outright hate him. The future is not bright for many of our neighbours and friends. Not because of rising petrol prices or housing affordability, but because Jesus is missing from their lives. In a few weeks we'll be going to the polls uh, for uh, for our federal election. And many will stand outside polling booths with how-to-vote cards, literally telling you how to vote. How crazy is it that in our world we think it's perfectly natural for someone to hand you a card and tell you how to vote, but sharing the good news of Jesus is seen as offensive. The end comes when Jesus returns. And whether this happens in our lifetimes or not, Jesus will be there waiting for us at the end. Are we ready to meet him there? That's the question that Revelation asks of us. Now there's urgency in what I'm saying, but this shouldn't fill you with dread or guilt or leave you disheartened. Disciples of Jesus have every reason to live in optimism, particularly at Easter time. How do we know that Jesus will stay true to his word and that he is actually coming back? Well, we only need to look as far as the resurrection. Jesus is a man of his word. He kept his promise that he would die for our sins and that he would rise three days later, even when no one believed him. The Bible is chock full of promises, fulfilled promises, because our God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. We have the best news and the firmest hope in the world And we need to look for creative ways to share it. Because the end is worth waiting for. And this is my final point. The end is not something we should fear. It's something worth waiting for. Revelation 1.4 says, To the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and who has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. John is writing from a cave on a prison island to a group of frightened Christians who are wondering if God cares about them or if they will be the last Christians on earth. They are literally fearing that the church of Jesus Christ will be wiped out with the persecution that they are going through. This is how intense things were under Emperor Domitian, who was the ruler of the time. But here, John says, grace and peace to you. 
grace and peace from God our Father and from the seven spirits. Seven is a number that will come up again and again in Revelation. It's a number of perfection. It's a number of wholeness. God is saying that I don't just care about your hardships. I am with you in your sufferings, giving you grace and peace, peace that surpasses all understanding. Next we see that Jesus is also greeting us. He is the firstborn ruler from the dead, the king of kings. Sure, the Christians John is writing to have powerful kings coming up against them, trying to destroy them. But they also have the king of kings, Jesus, riding to them personally. He loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. When all is said and done, this is all that truly matters. Our lives are a flicker in the light of eternity. And Jesus is telling us to hold on. I am with you. I am for you. You don't need to live in fear. You can live in joyful anticipation of my return. There's a story about a philosopher who mocked a Christian uh, during the persecution under Roman Emperor Julian. As he watched the poor man suffer, he said, What do you think your carpenter's son is doing now? Mocking Jesus because he was a carpenter's son. To which the martyr responded, He's building a coffin for your Julian. Julian died a few days later. Friends, this is what Revelation is. It's a history written from heaven's perspective. This is why John doesn't call his readers poor suffering wretches or victims. Instead, he tells us we're a kingdom and priests, people chosen by God to serve him, glorifying him forever and ever. And friends, as we wrap up today, and we think about the question, when does it end? I want to remind you that that question shouldn't fill you with dread. Instead, it should remind you that it ends when Jesus comes. Only God knows the time, but God has told us the circumstances. It's not over until the faithful Savior comes, so we live in joy waiting for God's final rescue act, and it's worth waiting for. In the meantime, we live a little bit like this paper boy proclaiming peace. We know that peace has come. There may be further battles in the future, but the final death blow was struck at the cross. Evil has been overcome, and one day it will be swallowed up completely. And so we live a little bit like paper boys, proclaiming the good news, letting the world know that grace and peace is ours because of the reliable revelation that God has given us. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Amen.